Cash Color Cannabis, a high level of conversation. Um, today, as, as you could probably tell, I'm not in studio. We're not at Live Hip Hop Daily Studios today recording live. I'm actually at my house today recording. And I'm, I'm blessed to actually have a, a, a somebody on the phone who I actually spoke to when I initially started my little trek into the cannabis space. And that's Chanel Lindsay. Chanel, how are you doing today? doing great thank you thank you for having me back yet again to talk about uh some of our favorite topics i'm sure oh yeah man well definitely weed is one of my favorite topics as well as uh my hometown boston so i, I want to get into you and speak to you about ardent and i'd also want to speak to you about your vision for cannabis in massachusetts overall um but before we get into all that let's start off with the basics uh what led you into the cannabis industry in the first place funny when I think back there were kind of like a couple different forces that pushed me towards this industry. One has been the fact that I've been using cannabis for now over 20 years Um, and when I was in college I had my son who actually now just started college this year so I had like a huge moment uh, in this this fall bringing my son down to New York to start college Um, but when he was first born when I was a sophomore in college I started um, using cannabis as a medicine because I got an ovarian cyst. Oh. And so that was a real yeah, change in my relationship with the plant from being something I used to just relax and um, you know unwind, study, all of those good things, to actually something that I needed for a medical condition to stop really severe pain and inflammation and really starting to look at it more from like a scientific perspective. And so for many, many years, I went and um, made my own cannabis product. And after medical marijuana came to Massachusetts, I got the opportunity to actually go test those products. And then I went and developed a product, the decarboxylator. So I would say that was definitely one of the, the main pieces, like my use of cannabis for my medical purposes. Okay, well, that, and that's, I'm, it's amazing that you spotted that out early. You know, I speak to a lot of people, and I, the, one of the questions I love asking them is, why do they consume? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure many people think or have sat down and thought about why they consume. So you have been, uh, you've been using it for 20 years now for medical purposes. Obviously, all throughout that time, the same way um, that you do, it's always, like, fascinated me um, why people end up start you know, why people turn to cannabis and it that many, many times informs how they think about the industry generally. So for me, not only did I use it as a medicine, but I'm a real um, believer in and part of like the cannabis culture on the adult use side as well. So I kind of look at myself as a unique hybrid of somebody who it for medical if you want to speak to the medical community and see what they're concerned about but also very very protective of kind of traditional like stoner culture you know and that and that um that group because you know as somebody who was using cannabis as a medicine but also became an attorney and you know was had this professional career that i had before turning you know into an entrepreneur and inventor in the cannabis space I was always very, very frustrated by how kind of, you know, the cannabis culture was portrayed and viewed by mainstream culture. And so I think that it's, uh, it's really interesting to see kind of attitudes change and now people in many ways starting to see, oh, wow, there was this hidden gem in this, you know, culture that, the, the, yeah, that these people were really onto something that yes. cannabis is not harmful in the way that people thought that it actually is beneficial. It keeps you young. It keeps you, you know, healthy. And so it's interesting to see the change in all of that happening recently. 
Yes, yes, and, and, and it's dope to be able to see that. Um, I like the how you're involved in cannabis. Like most people, when I speak to them, they try to get into the industry. The first thing that flies out their mouth is they want to have their own strain. They want to have a dispensary, something like that. You took on decarbonization. Uh, uh, what made you want to step? What made you want to come to it from that perspective? And from there, you know, how did the brain? How did Ardent just kind of grow from from the minute you decided this is what it, what it was going to be, and this is where I was going to focus on? I think that um, my, the, the idea for the business and pursuing that came out of a need that I saw, which was we legalized here in Massachusetts. I saw a ton of people were going to be excited about using the, the plant, but I, I also saw how difficult it was going to be for them to make these products because at that time I had been making these things for over a decade, and when I went and I took my medicine to the laboratory, I was still wasting like 30 40% of the available THC. And again, that's from like, years and years and years of practice and it's smelling up my house and it just being like <laughs> never never able to know like what how much is in what i'm making you know literally like throwing up from alcohol tinctures i had made that were just that bad you know just bad tasting and going through like i don't know if you've ever encountered you know, the internet forums on edibles or even just the internet generally. There's there's so much conflicting information out there that, like I said, even somebody like me who had been like a, a, a an expert at that point didn't really have a, a good way to do it, right? So I'm like, okay, there's a huge gap in this marketplace and I wanted me, I wanted everybody to start understanding and using the medicinal benefits of cannabis. And so I'm like, okay, well, people are interested in it, but there's no way for them to do it. And in Massachusetts, remember, dispensaries here, they didn't open for like four years after we legalized um, for medical. So you had this consistent like discussion about cannabis, the ability to home grow, the ability to, um, you know, as a patient. So you had the wherewithal and the access that people had to cannabis. They just didn't have the understanding of how to make it or do it. And so I was like, um, wow, I have the ability to come in here and help this, you know, and actually build a business around it. That was the exciting part. Not only could I, like, you know, make my dreams come true of more people knowing about and loving this plan, but I could also, like, build an amazing company around it. So definitely felt very, very blessed and lucky to have been in that position. Yeah, and, you, and you've grown exponentially since since um, I first discovered um, discovered the, the, the brand. And in, one gr in, in, in growing, you've actually made yourself... Um, you had yourself in front of one of our one of our favorite people, which is Two Chains. Uh, what was it like introducing him to the brand? Because when I looked at the video again, it was it was hilarious to me watching him, watching him learn about cannabis cannabis from a different perspective other than smoking. What was it like trying to introduce him to to decarbonization and and ardent? He was very open to the idea, and, you know, I actually, it was interesting because I didn't know, you know, whether or not he was going to think it was a great idea, think that it was, um, you know, I don't know, just, you never know when you're going on to those situations, especially, like, how everything's going to come out afterwards or how things are going to look, uh, yeah. and so it was hilarious, I would say, like, when we were watching it, we were cracking up, and in real life, obviously it's edited, so, you know, things go a little bit different in person, but he was so receptive to it, um, I was surprised that he actually was um, down to, to eat the donkey's milk caramel and <laughs> <laughs> 
And it was funny because he had never made edibles before, right? So it was a great opportunity for, for us from a brand perspective to be able to have someone like him go and show, like, yeah, all you got to do is just, like, break it up right into the guacamole and he's down. <laughs> and we did some research to make sure that we were, you know, presenting stuff that he might like, you know, but... It was um, it was fun time for sure. Well, that's 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 great, man. That's great. Um, I also wanted to get into the future of Massachusetts when it comes to cannabis. Um, you know, and I, I've 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 followed along a little bit. I was actually in the city myself about two months ago, and I probably will be again in October because I'm very interested. I'm watching my cousins and them trying to move into the space. I'm watching them open up smoke shops. I think it's amazing to see around um, Mattapan, Dorchester, and Roxbury what's happening. Um, talk to us about your work on the Massachusetts Cannabis Advisory Board. And what do you see the future of cannabis going when it comes to when it comes to Massachusetts, um, as far as growth and as far as potential? I'm really excited about what's happened in Massachusetts. Um, you know, despite the fact that we have the most progressive equity program in the nation, mm-hmm. you know, um, the the actual implementation of equity is always more difficult than getting it on paper. Getting yes. it on paper is super important. Like that's the first step. If you don't have it in law, it's never gonna happen. But after you get into the law, people shouldn't think that it's just like, you know, all gravy and everything is just amazingly gonna be equitable. That's not what happens. You have to like keep fighting for it to happen. So despite the fact that we have all this economic empowerment, prioritization of applicants and stuff, still almost none of the people that have licenses, and we're talking about hundreds of licenses at this point, are these economic empowerment applicants. It's only two recently that have gotten this designation. One of them is going to be right in Dorchester, um, Pure Oasis, which is really, really exciting, a great group there, and like big congratulations to them. Um, Really excited about that. But there has been, it's been very, very slow moving um, in Boston, in Cambridge. Pure Oasis actually got in before there, this kind of stall out um, on local equity programs and how cities and towns were going to divide up the licenses. So we're waiting to hear back on a lot of that. However, the silver lining is that um, it looks like the commission will be voting very soon to finalize regulations that will make delivery and social consumption. So these are two license types that haven't been approved yet. We'll approve those, not only approve them, but also make it exclusive to only equity applicants for the first two years of the program. So, yeah, so that's going to be really exciting when that goes through. You know, of course, the the delivery isn't as expansive as we want it to be. It requires you to partner with a storefront. And so you can see the limitations there. Hmm, if all the storefronts are non-POC owned and you have to partner with one of them, like, it doesn't leave that delivery driver with, like, a ton of autonomy. However, it's two years exclusivity, and what my plan and our plan is on the activist side, too, is use all of the data within these two years to show that this exclusivity period needs to continue, right, and that yes. more things need to be done. So I think it's a, a, an amazing start, you know, um, to, and again, the first time that this has ever been done in the country, and I think it's definitely something that other states need to be doing right out the gate, right, yes. to making exclusive exclusive periods for license types, because what we've seen is if you don't do that, the, the, the well-heeled and capitalized players, they come in and they, they snatch up all of the real estate, and so there's no, there's no way to get in if you don't 
you know, create a safe space for small business owners, minority business owners, um, you know, communities that have been affected by prohibition to be able to get um, real, a real ownership stake and a piece of the market. Major, major. And, you know, and again, I applaud Massachusetts for, t for taking such um, progressive steps when it comes to social, social equity. Um, what advice would you give other states who are trying to work on social equity, um, um, trying to work on the same social equity programs? What type of advice would you give them as they're trying to work out details and they're trying to work out the whole, the programs in, in the South? Be very aggressive in, in what you're doing. Know that even if it seems incredibly radical, that it still probably will only result in a small bit of equity, right? Like, yeah. the, the, the game is on when it comes to, um, you know, big money being involved in Canada. Like, they're already there. They've already laid their seeds. It doesn't matter if it's a state that's legalized or not, right? Understand that people are already looking at it and laying the groundwork for how they are going to benefit from it. And so that being said, you really have to be um, aggressive from the, the outset. Um, I say exclusivity is a great way to do it. I think that more and more states should do that right out of the gate. Um, and prioritizing equity applicants, making sure that there's money going into it, and making sure that there are very low fees all around. And the more that you can create and put into the law at the beginning, the better. And so I would say that people should be very, very focused at the, the rule writing and the ballot writing initiative or the legislative writing process and be very, very involved right then um, to make sure that, the, that you can always point back to something in the law that says this needs to be done. All right. And looking, for, looking down the road, um, especially to other, other women who are trying to enter into this space, what advice would you give to other women of color who are trying to enter into the cannabis space right now from the, pers from, from the perspective of you and what you've already dealt with and what you have already kind of accomplished? Like, what advice would you give somebody trying to enter this space and trying to thrive in this space? I would say, um, first, network. Um, you get very, very far by networking. Um, you cannot do this in a silo. This is not something that it's, you know, you can, there's more and more resources online, like this podcast and where people can learn things, but learning and, and meeting people, and I'm sure that you can, um, you know, that you found this to be true as well. Boy, you get, um, you know, instant connections to people and you automatically get involved in different things that you'd never um, be aware of if you weren't actually having that face-to-face -face time. Yeah. So I would say get involved with the cannabis organizations and then also understand, understand what your skill set is and what you love to do. Right. Um, earlier, we talked about how a lot of times when people say they want to get in the industry, ooh, if I want to strain, I want to grow. Well, do you grow? No. Okay. <laughs> we never grow. Well, that, that, that's not going to be like the right thing for you. And and a lot of times it's just because people think that that's the only way they can get in. Mm -hmm. So uh, my advice to people is broaden your mind about what is needed in the cannabis industry, and you'll probably realize that the thing that you've been professionally trained in or have a love for even though it doesn't relate to cannabis directly, can be very valuable in this industry. And that's actually what this industry needs, more of just like the professional skill set, you know, accountants, marketers, um, anything, right? Um, I find that in my business a lot. What I'm looking for is like, you know, good skilled partners in a variety of different areas. And sometimes the cannabis knowledge, um, you know, the love for cannabis is definitely required. So like my advice to people is like, don't come into this industry if you don't care about this plant and, you know, pushing it forward and doing something positive for it. But other than that, you do not have to be a grower. You do not have to have this crazy extensive cannabis knowledge to be helpful. You can use exactly what you've been trained up in and what you have a competency in to, to, to get far in this industry. So 
pairing that with networking by going to places and um, and offering up your services and then um, you know your traditional services with cannabis companies and then all of a sudden you'll be working in them and you'll realize that um, you can kind of you know rise to the top really quickly that's the great thing I would say about this industry there is especially in the emerging and new states um, there is a tremendous opportunity to really climb the ladder very quickly and make a name for yourself as long as you're, you know, a hardworking, good, genuine person, you know, this industry is definitely one that you can find success in. Awesome. And lastly, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> I would say I hope on a beach somewhere, you know, relaxing because I will tell you, man, I'm looking so hard right now and Arden is at the point where you know we've grown and there are so many different opportunities for us to pursue I feel like I'm like never sleeping or giving myself a break and so I feel like uh, in five years from now I'd like Arden to be a you know a, even more of a global brand really a household name and when it comes to cannabis products and education and then I'd like to be doing even more to help support other people as they're coming into this industry that's something that um you know, through Eon or just my work at Ardent, um, I see just like I was, there's a ton of great ideas out there and they're not supported or capitalized enough. So I'm hoping to use my journey, what I've done with Arden, to create a pathway and then also be able to take some of these funds and, and you know, look back and help other people realize their dreams and their ideas because you know, one of the things I've realized I love so much in addition to cannabis is innovation. And, and especially how people of color, how creative and innovative we are. And I think that deserves to be seen so much more. Man, all the applause for you. I really hope one day I could walk into my mom's house and see an ardent machine right next to her Keurig. I'm hoping for that, too, for sure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for um, stopping by the show, Chanel. And that's Cash Color Cannabis, a high level of conversation.